You're tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. And hello, good afternoon, and welcome. Another stellar edition of The Drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock, adjusting a knob here, a knob there. How do we sound, Bears? Sound good? This this workable? This doable for you? Does this work for you? You sound like a million bucks, Russ. Ah, uh, beautiful. That's what I like to hear. Like what a I like million to hear on a rainy bucks. Wednesday. What's that? You sound like a million bucks. Oh, thank you, buddy. Marcus Young, you there? Yes, sir. Good. Good. Everybody's present and accounted for. We can do a little radio here this afternoon. Uh, sorry, I'm back in the Stately Smith Manor Studios again today. Uh, the boys at G&J Auto hooked me up. I uh, finally got that uh, window tent job I've, I've been looking for. Marcus thinks you're just laying out because you don't want to come down here. I thought maybe uh, I'd I mean, say, yeah. they, they were cutting it close. Like I went to uh, lunch with my boy, Jeff. They're, they're like, yeah, the car will be done. We'll go back to the shop. We'll get it. We get there at like 2 o'clock, and they're still working on it. I'm like, Jeff, buddy, you know what I do. I got to go here. And I don't want to run because I don't want like, to have a screwed up car looking car, you know? Hmm. So like, I, I'm, I'm waiting, and I, I get home. Very last minute, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm here, present, and accounted for. They, um, I can't tell this story. I can't tell this story. Okay. What are you doing, Russell? What are you doing, man? First segment here, you're messing up. You're about to speak out of class. Let me think about whether or not I can tell this story. I don't want to get anybody in trouble here this afternoon. Bear, how you doing, buddy? You doing good? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Had a, I've had a, had a great morning. Uh, spent some time with three and out. Really? Yeah, over the phone. Oh, well, you on you were on uh, talk sports too? What I mean, like no, no, three no, no, hours no. Here isn't enough. You had three hours yesterday. We did an hour long post game show. You got three hours this afternoon, and you've got to get on talk sports and three and out. When I, is I, it ever enough for you? I, I did. I ended up not having to uh, help the boys out in the midday. Okay, but uh, I did. I, I just I had to call out uh, Adam Hickman this morning. The the texts were especially frosty. I'm talking like absolute zero cold. So, you know, a lot to answer imagine. for. His, his, I can only imagine. I I had a nice morning too. I, I slept in. We were up late. It was a super long day yesterday. So I was just like turned off the alarm. Woke up when I don't even know when I woke up. I just woke up refreshed, feeling good. Nice slow morning coffee, all that stuff and. Uh, so I did not listen to – I haven't listened to anything today. But uh, I, were they – I mean, it was a salty – you engaged in Barnes bashing. I thought your behavior was, quite frankly, reprehensible last night. But I had a lot of feedback that, on, that said it was uh, hey, pretty good. Anything that said on voluntary reaction, you know the policy. Yeah. Not held against uh, – I'm willing to wipe the slate clean with you. But I can only imagine. That being said, uh, the, your tone, some of the caller's tone last night – I'm guessing three and out was a little ugly, ugly this morning as far as uh, well. No, it was just the analysis. Uh, Hickman was just—he's just out there, man. His his take on Zakai Ziegler. And I called him on it, Russ. 
He said he would rather have – he said there were eight other point guards in the conference that he would rather have than Sakai. Oh, my God. And then when, when no, he asked – he didn't say that. Hey, you'd be proud of it. I pulled a Russ on him like you did me. I told him to name him. And then there was a – Well, he can't even name eight point guards no, in the league. No, he can't. Can. He, he kept naming the same two or three. Uh, Who? Uh, the kid from Alabama. Uh, the, the two kids from Arkansas, they're out for the season. That, that currently aren't playing, but nah, we don't need to talk about that, Dullard. We're, we're going we're gonna to ditch the guy who dropped 24 last night. We don't win without him. No, we don't. I went back and watched the game. I, I wanted to see – I wanted to watch that first half again. Why? I, I just wanted to – because I, I got so enraged last night, I wanted to watch it again when I was calm. So, and see what was going on with the guy. He was just trying to do too much in the first half. Yeah, that, that's shooting. what he said later after the game in his comments. Yeah, end up shooting 32% from the field in the first half last night. That's not good, but held Mississippi State to 30.8%. We're a defensive team, man, and we're playing shorthanded. You got to start with that, right? We do not have your starting point guard. I know he's not really your starting point guard, but he starts the game at point guard. He's out last night, and your first team all-conference shooting guard is out. So let's start with there. Let, let's start right there. First of all, okay, we were missing two key guys in our backcourt last night. You go out the, and it and it stands to reason, right? You're missing two key guys, two mm-hmm. starters. You're missing your starting backcourt last night. Guess what? Had a slow start. <laughs> it was it was problematic playing on the road in the Southeastern Conference. It didn't look good, but they figured it out. They adjusted. And they come out and run away with the game. The last 10 minutes imposed their will, scored 47 points in the second half, shot, um, I believe, 57, 58%. Yeah, 58% from uh, from the field in the second half, eight of nine from three-point range. Really got that offense clicking last night in the second half without Vescovy. And look, I mean... We have this discussion. I'm sure we're going to have it again. I'm already tired of it, but it's a job. We got to do it. I understand the uh, people. There's a segment of our fan base that is very critical of the head coach at Tennessee, and they're not going to stop being very critical of the head coach. And in a way, I understand it, even though I don't like it, even though I find it tiresome, even though last night, for instance, win a game by 11 points on the road. What are you people bitching about? Like, that's the way I feel. But on the other hand, Bear, I understand that um, this is year seven, I believe, of, of Barnes here. He's been here for a while now, and this is the monster he's created, is a super consistent basketball program that wins at a high level year in and year out. So the expectation has changed here for basketball and fans do not go into the season. The, the hardcore fans no longer go into the season just hoping to make the tournament, which ha, historically has kind of been the bar for Tennessee basketball, it, at least in, in my time following it, which is over 30 years now. It's just making the tournament. And we've gotten beyond that where making the tournament is taken for granted, which is an interesting thing to ponder in and of itself, tells you how far we've come, to it's not enough to just make the tournament. It's not enough just to win a game. 
in the tournament. Rick Barnes is four and four in NCAA tournament games here at Tennessee. These fans are hungry. The bar is high. They want success. They want extreme success. And they're tired of not getting it. And I'm tired of not getting it. But it's this weird conversation we've been having for a couple of years now. It's like, how, how do you define success in, in the Rick Barnes era? And I'm supposed we'll, I suppose we'll get into some of that again today. But all that to say, I get it. I get the frustration in the first half. But to me, you got to live in the moment, man. And, you know, what happened last year, what happened to Grant and Admiral team against Purdue in the Sweet 16, doesn't matter right now doesn't have any impact on how far this team goes. And I think last night was kind of a microcosm of this season, this team, and what the ceiling is and what the floor is. Because what we saw in the first half was bad basketball that gets you a, a bus ticket home. They don't even fly you home in the first round you play like that you get a bus ticket as the great swamp rat dewey warren used to say you get a bus ticket and an apple he did used to apple. say that you eat your apple on the bus on on the way home that's what doug dickey used to give you and when you when you stepped out of line this team though the uh, the flip side of that is what we saw in the second half you go out there and hit eight of nine threes while maintaining lockdown defense, the, you, the, you could go to the Final Four. I mean, th- this team has that kind of capability. But it's just, what what are we going to get? Are we going to get what we saw in the first half, what we saw against Kentucky Saturday for an entire game at the wrong time? Get you that bus ticket and an apple bear. Get you mm-hmm. sent home real quick if we see that. So I get it. I get the frustration. I mean, if we were playing, I mean, Mississippi State is is challenged offensively. And they're really good defensively. But I feel like there are a lot of teams in the league, if we played like that in the first half, I don't know if we would have been able to come back from it. We'd have gotten blowed away. Love seeing Phillips have a big game like that. 30 Eight minutes for Julian Phillips, 18 points, 11 rebounds, a double-double. He flashes, flashes all the time, guys. I mean, he flashes, he flashes, he flashes. But, again, consistency. If he can have a second half of the season like Kennedy Chandler had last year where he figures it out Mm -hmm. and becomes the dominant player that you think you're getting when you sign a five-star of his caliber, that changes things. It changes the ceiling, and it changes the way we play because now all of a sudden you can go Phillips, Josiah, and Kamwa slash Urosh and, and, and be pretty big and pretty athletic up front, and, and that gives you that, – that's probably your best lineup right there. It would be, uh, quote-unquote, a small lineup, but – when when you've got Urosh or Kamwan there as your big, and then a six foot six and very strong, very sturdy Josiah Jordan James, and a six foot seven with a longer wingspan, uber athletic Julian Phillips in the front court, it's going to give a lot of people a lot of matchup problems, and that's what we saw last night with with Tennessee against Mississippi State. 
get uh, Marcus your thoughts in here. Marcus, uh, Bear and I yapped about this for an hour last night on Volunteer Your Action. Your thoughts, what we saw in Starkville with Mississippi State last night. Yeah, I thought, you know, obviously to me, slightly going back to what Bear was talking about with Sakai, I, I just it's crazy to me that people would ever look at his performances and think that anyone could do better than what he's done for us. Uh, this team has its moments, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You brought it up. We had, you know, Santi wasn't out there. That That's a huge portion of our offense that was missing. But I really liked how they answered. They, they came back that second half. They played really dominant, and it was nice to see them there was obviously some worry in that first half, but to see them kind of make that turnaround and not let it affect them, not let the Kentucky game affect them, felt like a big kind of like culture type of win. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, you've got a program, Mississippi State, that's going through a coaching change first year. They're still trying to find themselves a little bit, and they were obviously fired up and, and played Tennessee off its feet for about 30 minutes, but it's a 40 minute game and Tennessee just sucks the life out of you and uh, they were able to have you know the threes eight of nine from three-point range in the second half it's it's what gets our attention as fans it's eye-popping and everything like that but they had some really nice defensive possessions some some lockdowns there towards the end where they just made it really difficult on state and you're not going to win many games in this league scoring 59 points like they did Russ, I did so, want to. I did want to ask you too. What with Zakai? I mean, he played all forty minutes. Yeah, which is I didn't think that would ever really happen in basketball all too often. Um, I, I wouldn't mind getting both you and Bear's thoughts on. Did you feel that the need of him being out there for all the whole forty minutes, or did you kind of hope that they would spell him out a little bit? I feel like you're trying to uh, – I'm sure it's going to come up anyway. I feel like you're setting the bear trap here with the B.J. Edwards conversation. We had who's, that he gonna, who's he going to back him up with? We had that extensively. I mean, it, it would be B.J. If, because of last night the other two weren't out there. But, uh, I mean, to me, it's a good sign because coming out of the Kentucky game, he didn't play well. And for the first time all season, we had heard that he was dealing with some sort of I don't know if it's an injury or just knee soreness or something. He had some sort of knee condition that might have been affecting him. And so that was a major concern. I don't think they would play him 40 minutes at the point last night if that were a serious major concern with his knee. I think they would have, whether it's B.J. Edwards or just putting the ball in Josiah's hands or playing a walk-on. I don't know. I, I think they would have done something else. So the fact that they did play him 40 minutes to me is actually a good thing. And, you know, as poorly as he played in the first half with five turnovers, he keyed the run down the stretch. So I'm not saying you play him 40 minutes a night every game out there, guys, but maybe he's a guy who, like a you know big running back, gets better as the game goes along, you know? That was the case last night. Hmm. It was just that I one of the things I thought was really interesting seeing was both him and Phillips. I mean, Phillips had 37 minutes he played. Yeah. It was uh I thought he really turned it on too. I mean, he had 11 rebounds, 18 points. 
It's just what what it's going to be is if if obviously Tyreek Key's not going to be out for an extended period of time. It sounds like he just had the flu or something last night. But if this is not sustainable, you can't do that from here to the end of the season. It's not sustainable. Well, I I, I would say no, but. To, again, to me, it's a, it's a good sign because I, I think if that knee condition, whatever's going on there, was a major issue, I, I don't think they play him 40 minutes last night. I, I noticed he wasn't wearing the sleeve on his leg like he was against Kentucky. Looked fine to me. Again, I didn't see the first half. I watched about the last 16 minutes of the game. Uh, got home and uh, and it was a struggle for the first six minutes. You know, it was back and forth. Mississippi State made some threes and. Um, but I thought Tennessee was playing well, but, uh, it's good to see them kind of outlast them. And I mean, again, you're, you got a lot of guys playing a lot of minutes and Tennessee was able to run away from Mississippi state and pull away from them down the stretch. I mean, what does that say about Tennessee's conditioning? They must be in, in pretty good shape out there. So on to Baton Rouge, 4 PM tip Saturday against an LSU team that has lost four in a row. They play Auburn tonight, so we'll see how they come out of that one. Mac McMahon, an Oak Ridge native, is coaching LSU now. It's been a tough place for Tennessee to play historically. You don't just waltz into the PMAC, Pete Maravich Assembly Center, and stroll away with a W on a random Saturday afternoon in January. So Tennessee will have to bring their A game on the weekend, and we'll see if they can do it. Big game Coming up, we'll break it down here with you this afternoon. Steve Hamer, the big fella, will join in hour number two and get his take on all things Tennessee basketball coming up here in a little bit. We will go open lines this hour. If you want to jump in, be my guest. Jump right in. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. We want to hear from you. Our number is 865-546-8200. 546-8200, your number to get on the program this afternoon. The Big Orange Phillies phone lines open for you. Stay with us. The Drive continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Fan Run Radio. The Drive continues on a dreary Wednesday afternoon in East Tennessee. Hope you're doing well. Russell Bear and Marcus Young. With you, balls win by 11 on the road. This is an important day in University of Tennessee athletics history. Bear, are you aware of the significance of the date, January 18th? Mm. Is this night the day we beat Memphis in Memphis? Nope. Nope. Marcus, you got care to hazard a guess this afternoon? January 18th. Uh... I don't know. Was it a hire? Two years ago today. Oh, Heupel's hired? Nope. Oh, Pruitt, the the infamous press conference. Cornbread got his pink slip two years ago today, ladies and gentlemen. Recruiting has been. (laughs) Philip Fulber up there, like, wearing three jackets at his press conference. Recruiting has been good. No, it hasn't been good, Coach. That's why we're here been very bad like and they're looking for a door to shove you out of too my man yeah and for some reason they're going to give you 37 grand a month for the next two years but 
even though you presided over this disaster. But that's neither here nor there. Let's not dwell over spilt milk, as they say. Because the hype daddy has cleaned all that milk up, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Our table is looking mighty clean these days. Just saying. Just saying. Portal closes today. Last day for players to jump in the portal. We are monitoring that to see if any uh, Tennessee football players jump in here last minute. And, of course, will there be any late additions to the portal? We will keep you updated as we roll through this afternoon's edition of The Drive on Fan Run Radio. Let's go to the phones, 865-546-8200, your number to get on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines, 546-8200. Diablo is up first today. What's up, Diablo? All right, number one with a bullet. Hi, Gav. I hope you're all doing well today on this rainy, foggy afternoon. Batting leadoff today. It's Diablo. I'm doing great, man. Hope you are, too. Hey, guys, I called in yesterday. What a timely call. I had I kind of talked about the, the Phillips kid and wondering when he'd play like a five-star. Man, he answered the bell last night. He must have been listening to the show on his ear pods down there. He's doing his stretching and everything down in the hump. He's like this Diablo guy's calling into the drive, throwing down the gauntlet, challenging there me. I better has- step up. There you go. Well, if that works, I'll call in every time we play. But, hey, uh, hey, props to Rick Barnes, man. He made some great halftime adjustments. That high ball screen that we came out in the second half really, really paid dividends with being able to take the ball to the basket. My only question was there late in the game when they start tried to press us, we had Ziegler bringing the ball inbounds. That didn't make any sense to me. Our best, Arguably our best ball handlers bringing the ball inbound, and it kind of got challenging. Mm. Well, they say the most dangerous man on the inbounds is the guy inbounding the ball. So, I I mean, we've seen that before. Rick Barnes likes to have his point guard inbounds the ball a lot. Uh, Jordan Bone comes to mind. Um, one thing I'll say, guys, that one 10-second call they hit us with, that was not 10 seconds. Yeah. It was, it yeah, was right, right on the edge. Is that a correctable error? I, I don't think so, but the ball, I, I don't know how what the rule is if the ball has to be – possessed you know the ball crossed the half court line before it it hit 10 but there were there were 20 seconds on the clock the shot clock when josiah caught it in the front court now we don't see the tenths of seconds on the shot clock so who knows exactly where it was at i didn't think it was a violation in real time it was close granted i didn't think it was a violation in real time and i didn't think it after the uh, Tim, I, I don't know, man. That's That was a harsh one. Good thing it didn't matter. Hey, how serious was the ankle injury of the public? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I, we'll see if he plays. My guess is not very serious at all. I mean, that unfortunately happens a lot, but um, in, in the game of basketball. So hopefully he's able to – I mean, he was – they showed him – when, when Tennessee went on their run, he jumping out by, out of out of the bench, walk in, you know. Nobody was treating him too extensively on on the bench or anything. So my guess is it's unless he just woke up and it swole up on him today. Uh, I I don't think it's a major deal. Russell and Bear, you might know the answer to this question. So looking at that roster, I know the kid from Catholic that not got a lot of playing time this year, and I don't, I'm not sure how the red shirt rule differs from football to basketball, but once he touched the floor, 
in basketball, does that burn a year? No, it, it doesn't. Oh, that's a, we, we need to come to a consensus on this. I'm going to look this up right now. College basketball red shirt rule. Um, somebody told me that BJ has already played more than is technically a lot. Like he cannot redshirt at this point. So I'll see if I can confirm that for That's you. Pretty wild because he's only played like 22 minutes. Yeah. I just wonder if it's a number of minutes or if a number of games or however that works. But I just thought last night would have probably been a good idea. Again, I'm not there at the practices, but. For him not to get on the floor last night when we were desperate for ball handles spoke volumes to me. So he, they must really be waiting on him to develop and bring him back next year. They must be. I mean, everything I've heard behind the scenes is that they are happy with him and he's happy with them. And they just don't think that he is ready to compete at the level they like to compete at. He's not playing the point guard position. When we've seen him out there, he's been playing off the ball, which is different than um, what we saw in high school. And coming up, he was a point guard. He was recruited as a point guard. That's what we all thought we were getting. That's not where they're playing him. So that's a little strange. Not saying it's the wrong thing. I don't know. Next game I coach will be my first. Rick Barnes has had success doing this in the past. Santiago Vescovi came here as a point guard and played the first couple of games of his career, played the first season, I believe, as a point guard, and they've moved him off the ball since then, and he's become an all-conference shooting guard. So maybe maybe BJ can follow in similar footsteps, but it's pretty apparent at this point that he doesn't figure into the immediate plans for this year's team. Is the uh, Dilly Young kid, Russell, is he a student on campus, or does he practice? with the team at this point? Mm. Um, another another thing we need some clarification on. I know that he's planning to enroll. I, I did not see him on the bench last night, which is not to say that he wasn't there, but uh, my understanding is they are planning on bringing him in, that he can practice and be with the team, but they're not planning on playing him. Hey, but finally, they could guys, if they wanted to. Other... They, they could if they wanted to. Like, he, he's eligible. He's he's on campus. He's practicing. He could play just like Vescovy played as a midterm enrollee, just like Jarnell Stokes yes. played as a midterm enrollee about 10 years ago. That is possible. Russell, finally, because I know you got other callers, uh, I've never had the privilege of going to Mississippi State and going to the hump, but I was less than impressed with it. I mean, it looked like a high school crowd there last night. And listening to it on the Vault broadcast, they had all sorts of transmission issues. And Bob Kessling was talking about the renovations going on there. And, and at one point, I think they uh, – uh, Burt Bertelkamp didn't filter himself out. It was funny. Uh, he, he at one point said, this place needs it. <laughs> Burt. That's funny. Well, I mean, all right, start Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Diablo. Great phone call. And Starkville is the most country by far of the 14 SEC towns. It's out in the middle of nowhere. That's weird that they had technical issues down there. I don't recall that ever being an issue for the Vol Network. No, I don't remember that. Um, I mean, that 
it's a 10,000 seat arena when it's full. I mean, it's loud. It's, it's a hard place to play. They've been playing there for a long time. I mean, it looks like a decent enough facility, but it wasn't full last night. Um, when was the last time Mississippi state had it rolling? Was that when, um, Stansbury was there, I guess, that team that beat us in, in the NC, uh, SEC tournament final in Tampa down there, maybe about 15 years ago? Yeah, I would say so, probably. Howland never really got much traction down there. No. You remember their Final Four team, Bear? Mississippi State's? Yeah. Not off the top of my head. Eric Dampier, Dante oh, Jones. That's right. Hey, let me ask you something. Keontae Johnson from K-State. Yeah. Where did he start off at? Florida. That Was a, was that the kid that collapsed last yeah. year? Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, I don't think Florida would clear him to play. I might be wrong on that. Yeah, no, I, I think you are right about that. It's like um, the uh, Emmanuel Negadu situation. He mm -hmm. wanted to play here, and Tennessee wouldn't clear him to play, and he ended up going, I think, to New Mexico, New Mexico State, something like that, playing for Steve Alford down there. They cleared him to play down yeah. there. Yeah. Can't take chances, man. Speaking of that, I see where uh, – DeMar Hamlin has been back at the Bills facility around that team again. Looks like he's going to uh, uh, survive and, and, and be able to live, obviously. It remains to be seen what happens to his football career. But I think a lot of it just depends. I mean, they still haven't – and they may not ever. Um, I wonder if it's got more to do with injuries he sustained when they were trying to save his life on the field. Whether or not yeah, he, Sean McDermott said he's at the Bills facility almost daily, uh, says he's limited. So I, I don't know if they're trying to get him uh, back to perhaps playing. I would imagine that his season is certainly over, but perhaps next year. I mean, 24 year old, probably in his peak athletical, uh, you know, career. The the his athletic peak. Is athletical a word, or did I just invent one? You just invented one. Nice. I don't know. Just speaking from experience, I imagine it sounds like he had a chest tube, and they were talking about lung injuries. Uh, that's that's not something that that's a uh, even for a you know highly conditioned athlete. That's not something you get over in just a week or two. Or a month or two. Not, not a rub the dirt on it, get back out there kind of injury. No, usually those uh, uh, require a, a period of what are they call, uh, convalescence, e extended rest and recovery. So, Brian on Twitter says Dillion was on the bench last night. He's not dressed out like the other players. He's dressed in the team issued gear. Hmm. So Freddie Buckets has arrived. So I kind of felt like that. Uh, when he reclassified, when it happened, I, I kind of – why do I feel like it kind of caught Barnes and those guys by surprise? I don't know. Why do you feel that way? It was just the – I don't think it did. I, I just thought that they weren't expecting that. I, 
I don't know what they're expecting, but uh, I think they're generally pretty aware of. I, I think they they want to get these guys on campus, which you know, I mean they they pressed um, Tamba last year to get there early, and then didn't use him. Like they knew they were going to redshirt him all along. I, I think they want to get their players to campus as, as early as possible. So, I mean, you know, they had the scholarship open for a reason. Do you are are you a hundred percent sure he doesn't play this year? Uh, De Leon. Yes. Uh, who knows? I mean, I I would think as challenged as we are sometimes offensively that he might get a look. I mean, it, it's 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 hard. I mean, it's very rare that you get a kid. I mean, the only two I you know you named Vescovy and Jarnell Stokes. You know, Stokes was like a man child. When he got here, he was ready to go physically. And, you know, Santiago had been playing in that NBA develop, you know, developmental league. And it wasn't – I feel like that that level of competition's uh, uh, cut above just regular high school. Even though I, I know these kids like, you know, Freddie Fingers, BJ. Um, Freddie Fingers? Yeah, that's what they call DeLeon. That's his nickname, Freddie Fingers. Um, his name was Freddie Buckets. Who's calling him Freddie Fingers? I am. Oh, that's what they call okay. him. Well, 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 don't don't lie to me. I, if I don't don't say they're called it, and then I ask you who is they, and you say me. Just say that's what I want to call him. Freddie Buckets is a much better nick, nickname than Freddie Fingers. I, I want to. I may have got it transposed right with Freddie got fingered. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, back to my original point. I, I just think that it's not often that Freddie kids that, that kids come in. Uh, ready to play at this level. I mean, you're seeing how hard it is for Edwards to get on the floor. And, and he was a four-year high school student, played at the highest levels high school competition. And and he can't sniff the floor. So I, I don't know why we would think somebody coming in midterm. That just doesn't seem like a Rick Barnes kind of move. Bill says Auburn is more country than Starkville. That is true. Uh, six one half dozen the other. Is that LSU game at the barn or is it down at the Pistol Center? At the barn. In Auburn. Oh, tonight? Yeah. Good question. I don't know. I believe it's at Auburn. Isn't there like a singer called Freddie Fingers? No, nah, it was Freddie Mercury. No, I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Marcus, you big dummy. Look this up because I think there is a Freddie Fingers. Well, you look it up, Marcus. PD says if Barnes was happy with BJ, then why would he state publicly that BJ wasn't defending to the level he expects? I would say because Barnes doesn't pull punches. He just, I mean, he said that he would have taken the UCLA job if it if the buyout was was right, if was able to be paid. Like he doesn't, he just answers your question point blank. Yeah. It's not like this is a, you know, and I, I guarantee if you pinned him down, he'd probably tell you BJ's probably one of his favorite kids on the team. He, he does this. There's always, you I can, mean, Kennedy Chandler spent time in the in the crucible last year, and he didn't really turn the corner. So I, I'm hoping that they'll connect him with Travis Ford, whatever the hell he said happy, to Kennedy. Just because a guy isn't playing doesn't mean you're not happy with him. Yeah. They might not be surprised at all that he is taking time to adjust to the demands of Rick Barnes' level defense. 
they they had a plan not to play Tamba last year. And I mean, they're playing BJ a little bit. He's gotten some mop up roles uh, duty a couple minutes here here and there. So he's not completely lost in the shuffle. But just because he's not playing doesn't mean they're not happy with him. I mean, they've had several players. I mean, uh, DJ Jefferson. Nobody talks about DJ Jefferson, right? And he was a four-star, top 100 recruit in this class as well. And he is redshirting. Like, they make no bones about that. Like, he is not playing this year. And they haven't – you know, BJ's not on that plan. But because BJ's a local kid who played across the street from Stately Smith Manor over here, like, it's a big controversy. So – well, I, I think it's it's that, but it also that it's pretty obvious that we don't have a whole lot of depth at the position we all watched him play for the past four years mm. at an incredibly high level. That's all I'm going to say. But, you know, the next time I coach a college basketball game will be my first, so I guess I'll defer to Barnes. I hope he knows what he's doing. Oh, 15-3, and three, number nine in the country. Number two in the net mm-hmm. seems to be going well, from my perspective. That's just me, though. I could be wrong. 865-546-8200, your number to get on board. Big Orange Phillies phone line's wide open right now if you want to jump in, take a shot. 865-546-8200. We pause for the cause. Back with more right after this. Fan Run Radio, The Drive continues. Russell Bear and Marcus back with you here on a Wednesday afternoon edition of the show. Steve Hamer, former Tennessee center, coming up here in hour number two. We will break things down with him as Tennessee comes off its 11-point win against Mississippi State on the road last night. Tennessee announcing sellouts for three games Texas, Auburn, and Alabama now sold out. This on the heels of the Kentucky game being a a sellout. We'll see if any others sell out here the rest of the way. There's still tickets available for every other home game. But those should be three big game atmospheres at Thompson Bowling. You got Texas coming in a week from this coming Saturday. Auburn coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, Bama, I believe, it's a Tuesday or Wednesday night game. That's going to be a big one, though. Yeah, it is. Alabama has a one-game lead on everybody right now. They go to Vanderbilt last night and just kind of chew up Vandy. I like Crackhouse, man. Stacks, Jerry Stacks. Fan run out of context. I think that Tennessee is going to have to raise its level to to play with Alabama. I, I like that we get them at home. I like that it's going to be a big crowd. They laid an egg Saturday in front of a sellout crowd when it should have been a celebration with Chris Loft and everything. And you know, I don't want to look too far ahead because that Texas game is is the next huge one in my opinion. So let's let's handle that one first. But uh, you know, all, all these games they're going to have to raise their level of play. Texas is in the top ten too, and we all know our struggles with Auburn. They are going to have to find another level. If, if they're going to – can't play like they did against Kentucky, can't play like they did the first half last night. 
We no. expect to win any of those three games. No, we're going to have to play the best. Or you know, if Alabama's on, you're going to have to play almost a perfect game to beat those guys. Incredibly going to have to get healthy. Like I mean, I'll just assume that Key is that. That's just a an illness, and, and he'll be fine. But uh, Vescovy, that's golly, man. We're like the dang Titans all of a sudden, man. To get Triple J, finally get him back. Vescovy's back now. Um, Vescovy's hurt again. Keys out. Urosh turns an A. I mean, good grief, guys. This is basketball. It ain't football. A little bit snake bit. Got to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Phil is next on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Good afternoon, Phil. What do you say, W? Hey, how's it going, man? How you bearing uh, Mark Stone? Doing well, thank you. You're welcome. Well, they won. You got to give them credit. Second half, they look good. First half looked terrible. A win is a win is a win, Phil. Just win, baby. But we still got uh, problems that haven't been rectified yet. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that there's, you know, Kansas, number two team in the country, they lost last night. I don't – there, there isn't an elite team in college basketball, from my vantage point. Alabama might be the best team I've seen this year. I'm, I'm not, you know, Houston and UConn. They play in such a weak league and everything. I, I don't know what to make. I mean, I'm sure those teams are very good. Are they on the level of, you know, a Kansas or a Alabama, a Tennessee? These teams that play in bigger conferences. I don't know, but your point is yeah. correct. I mean, Tennessee's got issues. I think every team's got issues that they're trying to work through right now. They, uh, I think Alabama's the most talented team in the country, and uh, they still have the uh, uh, what could happen is if you're not hitting your threes, you could lose a ball game. Yeah. Because yeah. they live and die of three. And you look at what you know Tennessee's calling card is, I believe they – lead the country in three-point shooting defense. I mean, Tennessee has guarded the three-point line really well this year, so that's got to give you some hope for that matchup. Well, we got them here. and uh, But uh, Oates has uh, pretty much got uh, Barnes' number. I think he's, what, one and three? Uh, Barnes is against Oates. Mm. Guy can coach, man. He's a good coach. I, I wonder, Phil, you know, this – Unfortunate off-the-court situation they're dealing with, which is not his fault at all, but that's got to shake you as yeah. a coach. And he's a guy that his name comes up when, you know, when it looked like uh, Cal's going to get run out of Kentucky. Doesn't look like that's going to happen now, how quickly things change in college basketball. But, you know, at the Texas, he, his name's coming up for all these jobs. I wonder if this situation off the court is ugly enough and uncomfortable enough for him to make him look a little more seriously at other options. Well, really, you look at it, they got this great recruiting class come in, but are they going to be, is, is Kyle Perry have one more run to the Final Four in him? <sighs> I don't know, man. I mean, on, on paper, they've got four of the top ten players in the country coming yeah, in next year. So there will be no excuses for Calipari next year. No. And uh, really, Tennessee's got a, a top 10 recruiting class coming in next year. Yeah, they've got a good bunch. 
Got a good so bunch. So I need to enhance it a little bit. But uh, be nice if they go out and uh, find them a point guard uh, for next year. Somebody's got some experience and can play it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like this program under Barnes has been at its best when they have at least two really good point guards. And I almost look at it like, you know, receivers or running backs in football is like, you know, err on the side of caution. Get, get three or four of them if you can. Just just so you have some options there. But, I mean, you look at the Bone Lamonte years and then, you know, last year with Candler and Ziegler, like it's it just the system functions better when you have multiple point guards on the roster and even on the floor at the same time. Yeah. And uh, Triple J last night, what was his stat line? You got that in front of you? Uh, let's see. I know he was uh, – Three of seven, I think, from three-point range. Yeah, here it is. 33 minutes for Triple J, 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, five of 12 from the field. Well, his second half, that's what he looked like last year, uh, most of the year. If he can do that, it'd be a big, huge uh, lift for Tennessee's team. You got to have all these pieces firing at the same time. It's Another football analogy here, but uh, like the offensive line, you know, all it takes is one guy not to perform well and a play doesn't go well. just feels like if if we can get, you know, all, all seven or eight of our main guys in the rotation playing at a pretty decent clip, it's going to be really good. But all it takes is one guy to have a really off night against a good team, and that can get you beat. Yeah, it can. It really can. But I can't wait to hear what Utah says. See, this he's on my Phil list right Jamie now. Jamie Unholy Alliance that is being built right now, quite frankly, disturbs me. I mean, they've been allied for a long time. I'm, I'm uh, Jamie's on my he's on my bad list right now. He stuck well, in here yesterday during the chaos and turmoil of Marcus screwing up royally yet again, and true. wreaked havoc on the drive. Speaking of young Marcus Young, he's got your top four at four when we continue our number two of The Drive on the way. Many of these fine fan-run affiliates stay with us. The Drive continues. Back with more right after this.